Robert Moore said, have you admired a younger man today? If you're not, you're hurting. And so I say to older people, you can take action. You don't realize that, you know, when you were a younger person, you, of course, longed for that being seen and heard and supported and blessed. And you can do that. And it's needed. Seniors to seniors, whether a senior in college or senior in your mature years, the common denominators of every stage of life is explored as host Robert J. LaCosta interviews seniors about how they got to where they are and how they are continuing to crush it in their mature years. LaCosta is known as the senior editor because he has interviewed seniors for the past three decades and is perhaps the longest running writer in this narrowest of niches. This podcast affords him the opportunity to pass along the same sagely wisdom that he has received from elders and has admired during his 30s, 40s, 50s, and now. LaCosta is a board-certified hearing instrument specialist who has helped over 10,000 seniors overcome hearing impairment. He draws deeply from the intimacy and privilege of those relationships. And now, it's time for The Age Sage. And hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast today. My name is Robert LaCosta. I'm the senior editor. I've been interviewing seniors for 30 years and probably have interviewed more seniors for longer than any other writer or interviewer in America. And yes, I am bragging. No, I'm I'm saying that for a reason. I've come to really love seniors, and now I am one. And it is really, really cool to be in a situation where I am a senior, and I love my own boomers. But I love all the way to the WW2 generation. I've been working with them professionally as a hearing instrument specialist. And I'd like to introduce my uh, young co-host, Alona Massey and... Alona's going to represent the younger people out there who are young of age and they want to meet the sage. How's that? And I'd also like to introduce Kenny Burns, our producer in Nashville. And now on to our guest, Dr. Perry Sherman from the Albany, New York area. Perry's not originally from here. He's from the Midwest, I believe. That's correct. Mentor, Ohio, I grew up. And Perry has an interesting background in apologetics, really in law. He has a a degree in engineering, has a patent on the stealth bomber. And then he decided that just wasn't enough. So he went out and got a little old PhD in psychology. And he's been practicing in the Capital District here in upstate New York for over two decades. Perry, welcome to the Senior Editors Podcast. Thank you. We're going to get started right away and just jump right in. Perry, we have a young woman here who's sitting with bated breath, waiting for this fount of wisdom. And why don't you tell us, walk us through a little bit of your background and maybe skim the surface, and then we'll proceed on to life changes, and then we'll proceed to life changes in the senior years. So I think young people are not inclined to work in the same place for 35, 40 years as our generation might have been, and and definitely the generation that went before me. So you've been through a lot of changes, and millennials and younger, uh, they will 
skip through many jobs in the course of a career. What's it like to go through as many changes as you have and what prompted you to do so? And how old were you when you started those career and life path decisions? Okay. Wow. Those are uh, pretty big questions, broad questions. Uh, When you get older, you have a lot of stories and you have to pick which ones you're going to tell. So let's take a swipe at your 20s. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I grew up. I was a skeptic. I, I, I grew up in Episcopal Church. I, I didn't believe um, my brothers were acolytes. They went through the motions. I was like, guys die, they stay dead. Come on, why do you believe that? And people told me you have to have faith. And I just thought that was ridiculous. And so I, I was, you know, uh, a hardcore skeptic. I was not a, a nasty one, but I was like, don't give me any, you know, mealy mouth stuff. But when I was in college, I was studying. I love physics. I love chemistry. I was studying that. Uh, I was very good at it. I was atop my class. And in the middle of that, a friend introduced me. Hey, this guy's coming to town. He's a dean of a law school. He's got a bunch of degrees. He's going to give the evidence for the Bible and uh, the resurrection. I said, yeah, sure. I'll go here. Okay. And, let uh, me interrupt you there, Perry. Why do you think you were skeptic? I mean, you were born, obviously, with a good intellect. What were the things that made you skeptical? Before you get into the other side. Well, because I would ask, uh, why do you believe this? And people would tell me, and the people in my church would say, well, you just have to have faith. And so that meant to me, you don't have any reason to believe except uh, just jump in and believe it. And that wasn't uh, acceptable to me. Was that Pollyanna-ish? It just, I just didn't think there was any reason to believe or any evidence, and it didn't make any sense to me. And then uh, continue with your story. So uh, the Saturday night before I went to the week-long seminar, so I was open-minded, open-minded agnostic about it. I would hear evidence if somebody had it, and it's, wow, okay, cool, I'll see her that. But the Saturday night before I went, God reached down and just grabbed me. That's all I can say, that I was not aware of him uh, being real, and all of a sudden, oh my goodness, my eyes were open. I knew he was real, and I was like, oh, you're holy, I'm not. Oh, God, for, you know, forgive me. I was a good kid. I didn't cheat on tests, sleep with women, do drugs, anything, but I, I knew I am not holy. You are. I need you to forgive me. Did you say this is before the apologetic conference or? Right, right. It was a Saturday before the apologetic conference started on on Monday. So (laughs) that's that's wild. So God opened my eyes. The skeptic is turned through faith instead of knowledge. That's right. Well, it was, it was just God said, Hey, you know, I, I don't know. I can only explain it. It wasn't me. It was him revealing himself to me. And then, and then I learned that whole week, oh my goodness, there's so much evidence and so good. And uh, I said, why didn't anybody tell me this? I want to tell everybody this. So I, I, two more years, I, I, I got a degree in polymer science and, and, I, and I went to that law school where that guy was the dean of the law school and he had a bunch of people there. Uh, how do you know if something happened in the past? How do you determine and, and sift through evidence and documents and stuff. And the legal method was the way to do it. So that's why I went to California. Okay. So you were where when you were getting your engineering degree? I was in, in Cleveland at Case Western Reserve University. Okay. Now I want to bring Alona in here. I would say, how old were you? So I, I, I obviously started when I was 17 and when I was 19 as a junior, beginning of my year in September, I was 19 years old when God grabbed me. Uh, Alona, I'd like to throw a question at you. You hear Perry talk about being a skeptic. Your your generation is known for s- skepticism. Can you explain a little bit, maybe why 
I think it's like mostly we believe in the things that we see, like we can touch. And like that's the thing we lack, like faith. Like you, when you were in college, everybody just told you to just believe like in a faith way. Like you'd never experienced God or his presence or anything. And whenever someone is just telling you to just believe, you would not until you have that experience or until you cross path with someone who will lead you to like really come to conclusion. And is that is Perry's experience many decades ago, not that many Perry, common to your generation then? Almost the exact does it mirror because we we grew up in the I would call it the leftover senior sixties years. <laughs> There's a lot of skepticism. And don't tell me what to do ism. I think it would be you guys had it easier more back then than now. Even if somebody wants to have a faith, uh, because of like a lot of peer pressure, we would not even like take next step. Like sometimes we say it's like a conviction by Holy Spirit, and our generation would like keep ignoring it because we wanna fit in. We wanna do the things that everyone else is doing, and we don't wanna be like an outcast. So we would like keep like putting it like tomorrow, tomorrow. So that's like one thing. Perry, it almost seems like the more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how do you how do you go from like polymer science? I'm sorry if I'm butchering it to apologetics in your one after another. Yeah, well, and, and I want to say, Alana, uh, you have a lot of wisdom for. Uh, I hear a lot of wisdom that you have, and I just want to acknowledge that. Good for you. Thank you. Uh, so how did I do that? Go from apolog- to apologetics from science or what? What was the question? Yeah. I mean, it, to me, that takes some guts. You're, you're, I always wanted, there's a trajectory. One, yeah. One, th- one thing remained the same for me. I am a person who wants to know why. I don't want to just know how. Tell me how to do this. So I didn't really like engineering or science. Yeah, I applied it as an engineer, but it wasn't as interesting to me. I want to know why. That's why I liked physics. I like fundamental ideas and why things work the way they do, why the universe is the way it is. Uh, and and so uh, why why do we believe this was pretty interesting to me and understanding the, the, the core reasons and the first principles and stuff. And I wanted to I wanted to go to the source. So I went to the people who who. Uh, who could tell me? And uh, I said, I want to go where people are wise and I want to become wise. So I went to California and I went to this law school and uh, I I was just, I was very, very interested. Um, The other thing that changed for me when I received God and he came in inside me is that all of a sudden everything was different. Everything was connected to him and was, had the source in him was explained by him. So just like the, university is supposed to be a a whole bunch of things, diverse taught fields, but there's nothing really unifying them. They're just this one, this one, they're kind of compartmentalized, not much unifying them, but it used to be that, oh my goodness, the queen of the sciences is theology. And somehow in God, everything, everything comes together. And I was like, wow, really it does. So I'm the kind of guy who's interested in everything. I was interested in psychology. I was interested in law. I was interested in science. You name it. If somebody had something 
uh, interesting and profound to say. I wanted to hear it. So again, if a millennial or someone younger, even a little older, is listening here, um, and they're like contemplating a change, there might be actually a similarity in the change, some sort of irony there. In your case, it was to know. So it didn't matter whether it was Cleveland, California, engineering, apologetics, law. It, there actually is a pattern here. So uh, someone alone's age might learn from you that maybe you follow your passion, maybe you follow your instincts, even though those things are going to, the unchangeable part in you is going to require change. It's kind of a paradox there. Right, right. It's almost like, uh, you know, Christopher Columbus. He's an explorer. He wants to find, but he may find an island. He may find a continent. He may find this. That's that's uh, who he is. And um, so, yeah, who you are does remain the same uh, throughout your life. You uh, you explore different ways with who you are. Yeah, I and, would say that. And, and again, applying that to the more mobile and changeable millennial, as opposed to a guy our age or older who might have stayed in the same field, even if maybe not exactly the same company or whatever, or agency, applying that to a millennial or someone just getting out of college now, looking at maybe, I forget what the statistics are in young people, but I know it's like up to eight field changes or career path changes or whatever. What might not change about them is their initial drive. Then you go through that, and then what do you do? You went into psychology. How many years did that, were these one on the tail of another? Well, I I, I thought there was nothing to psychology. I thought there's a hundred different ideas, and so they don't really know what they're doing. And uh, and, and I was Me kind too. of, you know, that's the kind of guy I am. Like, okay, I'm disgusted with this. These guys don't know anything. But uh, I, I was also open, and that's the kind of guy I am. My friend said, "Hey, this guy's you know a prominent psychologist. The churches like him and are using him." Larry Crab, and I read his book, and it's like, ah, this isn't really that interesting. But okay, people are interested in him, so let me go hear what he's having to say. His book didn't impress me uh, on couples counseling or something. Just communicate better. It's like, come on, that doesn't seem to be that deep. Uh, but at his conference, I saw him and his uh, colleagues go, and and Dan Allender was there at the time too. And oh. I saw on videotape people actually changing before my eyes in deep ways. And I'm like, whoa, wow, this is like magic, you know? How did he do that? And he's explaining what's happening and how he's doing that. And so I became very interested in it. But I didn't change careers at that moment because that was a big change. I'd have to leave a really nice paying, well-respected as an engineer career uh, to do that. At what and, age? Well, so that was, that was in the, you know, I'd say 26 and 28, I went to his two conferences. And then at 28, I hired a career analysis guy who I think is the best one. Uh, he's dead now, but he has a technique that's really good. Not just, Hey, what do you want? Uh, would you rather work with people or work with things? And you know, those lame questions. Yep. He actually has a really good way of doing it that worked for me. And, and then he asked different careers. I thought about this one technical manager, uh, you know, this, that, the other thing. And a Christian psychologist was one of about eight different ones that I threw out. I, yeah, let's see. Cause I was kind of bored as an engineer. I really, it really didn't interest me that much. It was like, make this polymer stick here, uh, make this one, reduce the radar signature like this, make this do that. It wasn't as interesting to me. Uh, as the basics and the core sciences and stuff were. So, and that was a career that fit. It said, this is the best fit for you. 
being a Christian psychologist because you'll never wear out, uh, you know, understanding things. People are always, you know, they're always more to them than you can ever master. And uh, it'll always be challenging, intriguing to you. And, and you like to see people, you know, changing impact and stuff. Whoa. And uh, that's why I like the apologetics. It's like, so let, so let, yeah. me, let me get right to Alona here. Alona, would you say that if you were 28 years old and you had studied one thing in college, what would it be like to radically change from being an engineer to a psychologist? And specifically, in this case, a Christian psychologist, would that be scary? You're not even 30 years old yet. Uh, I think it, people would be more prone to changing these days than back then, because we're not like under that much like pressure of community or society. Like back then, you would have to like impress your parents or like your if you're married or like you need approval from everybody else. But like these days, we are like we want to go against what everybody else is saying anyway. So we would we would go and do that thing. We were like, oh, who are you to tell me that's if not, I can't do that? That's not so. exactly the answer I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say now people are more prone to change than like back then. But Perry, you jump into, I mean, you're going to school full time. You're, you're losing your job then, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't, there's no pressure on me. I was just deciding I was going to do it, but it was scary because it was such a big change and a risk of letting go something that was, uh, you know, was very uh, good money and secure and all that. And I would have to go back to school and start back at the bottom. Right. So yeah. uh, start back at the bottom of a career. And, um, and so I actually went to school full time and I was still working as an engineer. Oh, they, wow. they kept me, I worked 32 hours a week. They kept complaining, but they kept me because I wanted what I did. And uh, only when I actually got my internship and moved to Albany, did I leave. Uh, Northrop Grumman. Well, that's what I wanted to get to next. You make this career change, and then you make a geographic change. And moving from California, why don't you tell everybody what city you were in? Uh, yeah, I was in Santa Ana, California. That's where I lived. Okay. And you come to the Frozen Chosen in Albany, New York, upstate New York, sort of. We're kissing cousins to the coldness of New England and everybody knows what that means. That was a change. That was a, yeah, that was a big change. I did not know a single person in Albany. Uh, the reason I came is because I had the best internship in uh, clinical psychology of all the ones that I uh, looked at. And it was very competitive. You had to apply. I applied to 24. Most people applied to at least that many places and they might get picked by to interview at maybe three or something. And, and there are more psychologists than internships. So some people weren't going to get their degree because they didn't get them. And I got one of my top two picks, which was Albany. That's why I came here. But I didn't know a single soul. Well, for our viewers, in terms of Christian counseling and in terms of Albany, New York, many people do not know that according to, I believe it's Barna, Albany ranks at the bottom of the barrel out of 100 cities for the most I won't say... Uh, Post, post-Christian, he says. Post-Christian. Post-Christian. Yeah. And uh, for people who want to challenge that, I will not dive deep into that. I will simply say that it's based on surveys of the most basic questions. Do you believe in God? Can't get much simpler than that. Do you own a Bible? Have you ever read a Bible? Do you believe in prayer? Have you ever prayed? 
Do you go to church? I mean, we're not talking about, you know, have you done a deep dive into Ephesians third chapter? We're just simply talking about almost like, as Perry said, postmodernism. We're, we're talking about almost agnosticism or atheism and belief, Christianity. So, Perry, at this point, you're almost getting set up. You, you didn't know that Albany was like the hundredth, hundredth worst city in the United no, no, States. No, the survey hadn't been done yet. <laughs> but God set you up. Okay, so you, now you make a geographic change. You don't know anybody. You're at the bottom of the level, whereas before you were this kind of confident engineer making some uh, ka-ching, you know, and you were doing okay. So as it relates to young people, what would you say about kind of finding your way? I won't say some mystical got into God's will, but just finding your way. Can you kind of say that a little bit to young yeah. people? Yeah. Uh- it, it may take time, and um, obviously I took advantage of, uh, of resources that were available. This guy was really good at it, and he nailed it. I knew he was right. It took me a while to, you know, hold my breath and go for it. You're talking about the... the, the going uh, into psychology, yeah, right. Career analysis. Career, career analysis, yeah. Okay. And and so, yeah, do what, do, do what you... Uh, you know, you're passionate about and really, uh, you really love. And, uh, I, I would definitely support, even if it's going to, yeah, it's going to make less money, but in the long term, uh, you'll, you'll have, you'll enjoy it better. You'll be, you know, you, you'll be passionate in your life and I would never go back. You know, people say, well, you ever thought about going back and being an engineer? No, never. I wouldn't want to do anything else. You know, I mean, I wouldn't want to. I have an image of a car, you know, you're at this car lot and there's this, I don't know, shiny blue one over there and a hot red one there and you like both of them. And then there's this gray one or white one or black one. You, you don't really, but the salesman says, you know, that, that one's like $5,000 cheaper and and you kind of settle for the color and the style that you... Uh, well, that- and, we, and we settle and I've settled for things in my life and I'm like, you know, it's not, it's not all uh, one thing, right? I mean, I look back and I say, man, I wish I'd done that or I wish I'd done that. I mean, there's no way you can go through life and not have regrets. Somebody says, I have no regrets. And it's like, ah, I know you're lying uh, because, you know, it is, it is up and down and bumpy and around and, and, and I've had to work on myself. I have to work on myself and my, you know, my life and, and, and con- have a confidence on myself and overcoming things that, you know, hold me back, uh, you know, from growing up and experiences and my own, you know, my own stuff. And I, and, and that's one great thing about psychology too, is, you know, look, I've been working on myself the whole time. Well, um, I'm still growing. Uh, but how was like you, you spiritually when you made the move? Uh, you went, when I made the move, you mean the psychology? Uh, no, like to Albany. Like how? Oh, like at what oh, level were you? Like spiritually? Like were you like in a doubting level, or you like you were hundred percent sure? Like oh, that's I was like 100% God's plan. Sure. Yeah, I was hundred percent sure since that 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 night when God grabbed me. I mean, uh, it, it's it's one thing to to say, oh, I, I don't know, or you doubt. If somebody, it's we like somebody telling me, hey, your wife doesn't really exist. It's like all right, you know, fine, whatever you say, but you can't tell me because I know her, right? 
like uh, and and so it was all there was not really uh, I mean, there were there were some doubts because of the way, you know, sometimes Christians act and things. And it's like, man, God, I mean, can't you fix this this guy up or that guy up? Like, you know, and and I've had to wrestle with that. But uh, I know uh, I, I was grounded and solid. And of course, getting a degree in, in how I know it's true helped too. I, by the way, didn't go to a Christian uh, psychology school. I went to a, a very secular one and I was like, this is fine. I want to learn. I want to learn what, whatever they're uh, teaching and whatever I can learn from them. I, you know, I, I don't have to have it, you know, Christian spoon fed. So. Well, Perry, we're, I, we're kind of running out of time here and I want to pivot. Yeah. Now, we're talking about changes. We're talking about things that are inside of you. You want to know. Now you have a few years under your belt of knowing. Now, not just apologetics, walking with God through life. That's, that's the real knower. Now you're in your 60s. You're a mature counselor. You're a mature Christian man. And you're pivoting again, changing again. But to change again, paradoxically, is the same thing. Tell us what you just finished doing with your brand new book. Yeah, I decided I was going to write a book because I couldn't find anything out there uh, that w- that did the same thing. I didn't really want to write a book because there's a lot of books written. Why write another one? On but apologetics. On, on apologetics, like what calculating the probability that one man could fulfill the prophecies of the Messiah by chance. And uh, there's a work that 70 years ago that everybody cites, and it's like kind of pulling numbers out of the air and multiply them together. Well, I wanted to do a, a defendable, real <laughs> calculation based on historic information. So that's what I did. And uh, I got discouraged doing it. I stopped doing it for six months, and I picked it back up. It took me a year and a half, and I finished it. But now I'm trying to navigate how the heck do you get something published? Yeah, well, that's a whole other. That's a whole other game. But that's another growth. That's part of the growth. Now, Perry, as we wrap up, because we're running out of time here, would you say? Is there anything scary about change? Like, is there anything scary about pressing in in your 60s and, you know, knocking off a book now? Or or is it a matter of getting the umph up or the discipline? Like, what what's the change bringing out in you? Is there any yeah, that's fear? Why, that's, that's why I stopped. I got discouraged for a while. It's like, you know. Uh, why? You know. Well, one thing was uh, perfectionism. I wanted to be exactly right. And. So I, uh, gosh, you know, and, and then I, I finally decided, eh, I'm just going to write, you know, and I wrote and wrote and wrote, and wrote what I want to say, right. Uh, just like I'm talking. And, and, and I ended up on oh, more things came to me and I, I finished it. I just start. Right. And um, so I do have a perfectionist and also um, I have a judge inner judge critic that, uh, you know, it's not going to work right. You can't do it. People aren't going to be interested. And the you know, angel say, says you yeah. can do it. I mean, you, can you know, do that's, that's, yeah. And, and that's, uh, you know, the, the, the fear that people are going to reject and not going to like it or not going to like me or going to say, oh, that's interesting. Oh, <gasps> uh, Jan, you know. Now, I that's mean, interesting, oh, Perry, right there, because that very same thing in a 60-something man could be going right through the head of a young person. I can't do it. Uh, it's going to be rejected. Oh, I'll never go anywhere. I mean, right there, it's good for young people to know 
that that question that's always there, do I have what it takes, as author John Eldridge always says, do I have what it takes, is kind of always in the back of the mind. And it doesn't necessarily change. You, you still have to answer that question, whether you're in your 20s or you're in a baseball field at 16, or you're a man who's looking to write book on apologetics in the 60s. Yeah, and I recognize that. And I also want to uh, be a vehicle for blessing uh, others. And and because I didn't get a lot of blessings. I mean, I got people who are smart and everything, but not a lot of older people who had felt like I don't need to prove myself. I'm, you know, and, and you can, I, I can, you know, support you and I see this in you. Uh, that's very uncommon. Uh, and, and the role of an elder is not just to be an older person who's going to go play golf and do whatever they want to do. I think the role of an elder, and I didn't have many really true good elders in my life who would like see what was in me and say, yeah, that's, that's great. What you're going I, through I, now, I, this change, yeah, that, that gives you even more authority as an elder because you, you could be a young person's cheerleader or, you know, a 50 or 70 year old cheer. I'm 60. I'm in my 60s and I'm doing a book, man. You can do it. You can yeah, do sure. it. You can be that. And you're that right. elder. True. Yeah. That That is a really cool thing. We're down to a couple minutes, Perry. In, in wrapping up, what would you say to seniors who are pre retirees? retirees, and even young people so they know that life doesn't end at 60, 65. What would you say to seniors in utilizing the gifts, the talents, the resources, perhaps money, position, influence in their senior years as opposed to, not that there's anything wrong with golf, but just hanging out in a golf locker room? When I was 32, I went to a Mendocino Men's Conference, and there was Robert Bly, who was a famous American poet. He's dead now. Robert Moore, who wrote a very famous uh, magician, warrior, king, uh, lover, uh, the archetypes. And there were very famous people there. I didn't know who was I didn't realize who was there at the time. I, like, I, I didn't know what it had. But uh, they had a elder role there, and, and they said, and I'd never met an older person really that I thought, wow, I want to be like that person. Ooh, wow. And I met men that, wow, there's a lot of confidence and wisdom there. And I want to be like this person. And they said, you can't be an elder until you're 50. Uh, and I got to wait 20 years. Uh, so Perry, we're, we're, we're run, we're out of time. Yeah. So there's, what, a, beauty, we're, there's we're, a beauty in it. And, and uh, Robert Moore said, have you admired a younger person? man today this is all men's conference so and he said if you're not you're hurting him. and so i say to older people you can take the you know take action and you don't realize that uh you know when you were a younger person you of course longed for that you know being seen and heard and supported and blessed and you can do that uh and it's needed anyway dr perry sherman along with Alona, my co-host, our engineer. And it's been great to have you, uh, Dr. Perry Sherman. If you'd like to get in touch with Perry, you can do it through this podcast. And again, my name is Robert LaCosta, along with Alona here, my co-host. I am the senior editor, and I thank you so much for joining us.